Welcome to the Cochrane Community Church Podcast. We're so happy that you're joining us, and we look forward to how Jesus will impact your life through this message. See, at Cochrane Community Church, our mission is simple. We want to share the love of Jesus so that our families, our community, the next generation, and the world will know Him as Savior. And this means that we strive to be a loving, Christ-centered community of believers. We just want to say thank you so much again for taking the time to tune into this episode. And at this time, please sit back and relax and enjoy this week's episode. Good stuff, right? We look at our, uh, our mission statement. We look at our um, core values, and it's all about that stuff. We come in here on Sunday morning, we get filled up. It's not about us coming in here on Sunday morning. It's about us coming in here on Sunday morning and going out into the world, telling others about Jesus, right? Making a difference, making a difference in the world around us, making a difference in our community, like Ashley said, not only our community, but how about Uganda? How about Kentucky? All of that stuff. So there we go. There's our definition of compassion, sympathetic awareness of others, distress together with a desire to alleviate it. And I love that. Now, let's uh, go to uh, John chapter 8. I think I told you that already. And we're going to be, this is a familiar story. We're going to begin in verse 2. And when you get to John chapter 8, of course, as always, Jesus has already been all over everywhere throughout. You can read from chapter 1 to chapter 8. It's like, how does he do all that in just eight chapters? I, I don't know, but he does. So he does all this stuff. He's busy. And here he is, John chapter 8. Uh, start starting in verse two. I'm going to read, and we're going to look at Jesus's compassion today. Okay, so verse two to verse six, the first part of verse six. It says, "At dawn, he, Jesus, appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher." This woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such woman. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. Let's stop there. Okay, you're familiar with the story. Some of you are. Maybe some of you aren't, right? Now, I thought it interesting that my research said that this is the only time teachers of the law is used in the uh, book of Mark or the book of John and John's account. And why were they necessary? Why were the teachers of the law necessary for this event? Because adultery is an issue of Mosaic law for the Jews. The laws given to Moses in the Old Testament, what I'm talking about here, of which the Jews adhere to. And get this, the compassion of Jesus would have been well known. Because they've seen him doing stuff with sinners. They've seen him healing people. They see him healing sinners. They see him healing people that he feels sorry, that need help, that he feels sorry for. And, and so it's well known here, especially when it comes to sinners. And the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they know that Jesus is known for his compassion. So they confront Jesus with this woman to see if his compassion will lead him to violate the law. They make her stand before the group. They bring her in, stand before the group, and tell Jesus that she was caught in the act of adultery. Okay, we know that, right? I would think, might be wrong, but doesn't the act of adultery involve two people? 
takes two people, right? You have to have two people to be caught in the act of adultery, you would think. Now, in the actual Mosaic law, both the man and the woman would have stood accused. Where's the man? What's the deal with this? Where's the man? Why is he not accused here? They say the law commands them to stone such a woman, the Pharisees and them said there. The law commands them to stone such a woman. So the words such a woman negate the man. They, they themselves negate the man's participation. Now, what is this, a setup? I mean, what's going on here? Of course it's a setup. Because it's all set up. And they asked Jesus, should she be stoned? And we know, all of you know, or some of you know, that this is a trap. It's a setup in order to have a basis to accuse him or charge him. They want to charge him, as it says in the ESV. They want to charge him. They want to have something to accuse him or charge him of. But what? What is that? What do they want? It says there, right? They have a basis for accusation, it says in, in verse 6 there. Uh, they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusation or charge, in order to charge him. And you see, what is that? They know he has compassion, right? They know he has compassion. So if he says, no, don't stone her, then he's not a real Jew. What do you mean don't stone her? He doesn't follow the Jewish, the Mosaic law. Here we thought he was the Messiah all this time, and we thought he was a solid Jew, and he doesn't even follow the Mosaic law. So you know what? I'm not following him anymore. So they're hoping for maybe that outcome, right? Maybe that would be the outcome. Then if he does say stone her, that's against the law. So he gets in trouble with the Romans. You see, Jewish people, the Jewish uh, uh, faith, the people, the Hebrews, they didn't have authority to do whatever they wanted to do. They were under Roman rule. They were just a religious sect. Just like Baptists or Methodists or Jewish. They didn't have the authority to just do whatever they wanted to do. So they couldn't just, uh, they, they didn't just, if they did have authority to do whatever they wanted to do, why wouldn't they just kill Jesus themselves? No, they went through Pontius Pilate, had to have him do it all, and, you know, proclaim it all and all of that. But here's the thing, they're trying to use Jesus' known compassion for sinners against him. That's their plan, right? Because they want to either say, stoner, then it's against the law, or don't stoner, then it's, he's going against Mosaic law. So they're trying to trap him. What is it? And that's their plan. And sometimes compassionate people, even compassionate organizations like the ones we were talking about here, get, uh, get in trouble or get played, I should say, is the word, getting taken advantage of. It happens here even. We had a, a person come in one day. It was during the week. This is several years ago. Came in during the week, and he said, yeah, my uh, car broke down, and I'm stuck out on 285, and I need... Uh, uh, gas, and I need a tire, and I need a tow truck, and I need this, and, and I need to get to uh, such and such. I need to get over there. You know, he needed to go somewhere far away from here, and he didn't know what to do, and he needed cash. Okay, so, so you know, sometimes if we can help somebody like that, we will. What will we do? We don't have, like, loads of cash around here or anything, but maybe we could call him a tow truck or get him a ride to where he needed to go or whatever. But uh, somehow... <laughs> administrative assistant takes me off to the side and she says, he's been here before for the same thing. <laughs> like, I was new here, so I didn't really know. I didn't recognize the guy. He had been here before with the same ruse. 
trying to get money out of churches. And here he'd been around to the other churches as well. I, I later found out that happens, by the way. They go from church to church sometimes to try to see if they can get money from somebody. So, you know, what? I told the guy, I said, hey, look, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. We just don't have enough cash on hand to help you do anything like that. I really apologize for that. We'll give you a ride and, or whatever. And this guy blew a gasket. He just blew a gasket. He went off on me like, you know, you call yourself a Christian. You Christians, you don't care nothing about anything but our money, but money. And you just want money and you won't help anybody. You don't have any compassion. And he went off and off, off on, on me and on our church and on the lack of compassion of Christians and the whole Christianity was crooked and everything like that. And, uh, you know, I thought you had a tire you needed fixed, dude. I mean, what's the deal here? But here's what I want us to get. Number one, compassion is not weakness. Think of Jesus in the scene that he's in right now. Is he being a, a, a wimp? Compassion is not weakness. It goes for you, too. Everyone knows that Jesus was compassionate, and they thought they could use it against him. And people see you or me or the church the same way sometimes, like the guy with the fake tire story. Compassion is not showing a sign of weakness, like some, some, some might think. Look at this. Let's read on from 6, second part of 6. It's the part that throws everybody off. <laughs> But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down. He stooped down on the ground. He stooped down and wrote on the ground. What's this all about? Does this drive you crazy? Jesus wrote on the ground. It's like, come on. What did he write on the ground? I love that he doesn't answer right away. He sits there and thinks about it, right? And he, then he writes in the dirt with his finger. I think it's uh, uh, the Passion of the Christ, right, where they show that in slow motion. <laughs> Dirt's flying all over everywhere, which I'm going to talk about that in a minute, by the way. So he writes in the dirt with his finger. What does he write? What does he write? Nobody knows, and it has nothing to do with the story. I'm sorry to burst your bubble. Nobody knows, and it has nothing to do with the story. You could speculate all you want. People are saying he wrote with his finger because the Ten Commandments were written by the finger of God. People say, did this because of that. Nobody knows. It doesn't say that. You can read all you want into the scripture. It doesn't say what he wrote, and it doesn't have anything to do with the story. <laughs> but what is his audience thinking? What about the woman standing there? Maybe they could read it. But I bet the silence was deafening, wouldn't you say? The silence would be definitely, definitely, they bring this girl and ask these questions, and he bends down and writes with his finger. Then he straightens up, looks around, and he says, so yeah, if you've never sinned, you throw the first rock at this lady. Go ahead. Silence. Silence. You see, the Old Testament law in Deuteronomy 17 says that the eyewitness and the accuser, whoever was the accuser or the eyewitness of this act of adultery, must be the first person to throw the, has to be the person that throws the first stone. So who brought the lady in? The Pharisees, the teachers of the law. So if they caught this lady, it's up to them to throw the first stone. And author uh, Colin Cruz said that Jesus regarded the teachers of the law as the witnesses to the offense 
Therefore, they should begin the execution. But Jesus' words challenged the accusers, implying that none of them was without sin, and therefore, they were in no position to condemn this woman. If you are without sin, you throw the first stone. They were in no position to condemn this woman. Uh, several years ago, there's this huge ministry. You might know who I'm, who I'm uh, talking about here. Huge ministry in Australia, just huge. They have, uh, I don't know, 150,000 church members all over the world. They have churches all over the world. Huge, huge ministry. Love their music. Their music is huge, and uh, it's been done all over the world, and they are so successful. But several years ago, so they have campuses all over the world as well. They had one in New York City that was absolutely huge and growing and really, really popular. Celebrities go there to worship because the music was just on fire and the preaching and all of that. And so uh, it came about that uh, the pastor there got uh, in trouble for having an affair. He got in trouble for having an affair. So guess what? You know, he gets fired. The founding pastor of this huge ministry who lives in Australia fired the guy and said that he got fired due to leadership issues, breaches of trust, plus a recent revelation of moral failure, failure which was the affair. See, we hear about that, right? We hear about that. You don't hear about it in the secular world because it doesn't matter if you have an affair or not, right? But you hear about it in uh, the Christian circles. Well, this past Tuesday, the founding pastor of this huge ministry, uh, that's, that's worldwide. Maybe I shouldn't even share this. I don't know. He was accused of and admitted to inappropriate behavior as well with women over the last 10 years. And I share that with you because he was already guilty when he fired the other guy. Let who, him, he who is without sin, be the first to throw a stone. And people make mistakes and God forgives, not excusing what happened, of course, but, but that's the truth. So he looked at the the other guy got fired for the same thing that his boss was doing already. And Jesus teaches us that we need to look at the two by four in our own eye before we look at the splinter in someone else's eye. And to me, looking at others' proposed offenses with an open mind for the truth speaks of compassion. Looking at somebody's offenses with an open mind speaks of compassion. Think of a time when someone offended you and you decided to let it go. You responded with compassion instead, especially if the circumstances were such that compassion and forgiveness are the only recourse. You see, compassion gives the benefit of the doubt. You see where I'm going there? Why I'm saying that? What's Jesus doing? He's giving the benefit of the doubt. He's not condemning her. Sometimes when this kind of thing happens, people make mistakes, like I said. But people sin, and you go accusing other people of sin, and you're not looking at the plank in your own eye when you have a, uh, you have a plank in your own eye, and they have a toothpick in their eye, all of that. And if you have compassion, Compassion often gives the benefit of the doubt. It's like, I'm not sure the details of what's going on in your life, but I want to help. I want to help. Let's look at the next section. Verse 9. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first. 
until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Jesus' words hit home, don't they? One by one, they leave leave until Jesus is left with this woman. I've got that scene etched in my brain, don't you? This whole scene. Got it etched in my brain. I I have what it looked like in my brain. And this remarkable response was perhaps silent acknowledgement that uh, in many ways, them leaving, walking away, they are no better than her. Silent acknowledgement that they are no better than her. And he asks her, has no one condemned you? And the first time we hear her speak, first time he speaks to her, and the first time we hear her speak, she says, no one, sir. And then Jesus' immortal words that we all can hang on today. Jesus says, neither do I. Go and leave your life of sin, or go and sin no more. Jesus' response reflects his compassion for sinners. I will admit, I wasn't known for being the most compassionate person in the world. Probably still not. <laughs> but it, it's, it grew on me. It started to grow on me. We were at a funeral one time, me and my kids, and I had just started working at the church over in Ohio, and uh, I, was, I was working at the funeral, kind of like an attendant. And I'm standing at the back door, and I believe my kids were standing there with me, and uh, some elderly lady comes in with a cane, and she's like, you know, kind of hunched over and stuff. And I said, hey, can I help you find a seat? And she said, oh, that would be great. So I grabbed her arm, and, I, and my, kids, my kids looked at my wife and went, what happened to dad? You know? <laughs> they were like, what did, when did he start doing stuff like that? It was like, hey, that's me changing. I'm changing. <laughs> it took a while. The Lord got a hold of me, but even that took a while to sink in, right? Jesus' compassion. Finishing up here, Luke 7 says, uh, when the Lord saw her, he had compassion. Matthew 15, Jesus told his disciples, I feel compassion. Matthew 14, when he saw the crowd, he had compassion. Matthew 20, moved with compassion. Jesus touched their eyes. You see, sympathy acknowledges the issue. Compassion does something about it. You never heard of Jesus say, hey, you can't see me, can you? (laughs) And walk on. No, he doesn't do that. He stops He has compassion. He fixes the issue. And I think we get the point. Jesus forgives. He provides. He has authority. And we know for certain that he has compassion because that's who he was. And what do we do with this then? Okay, all right, John, you you, you painted a good picture. Jesus has compassion. We get all the points, all of that. What do we do with that? We do this. Look at this from Ephesians. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love. Following the example of Christ. Look at that. There it is. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Imitation number three. I must imitate the extraordinary compassion of Jesus in my own life. Be imitators of God, therefore. Follow the example of Christ. How much more proof do we need, right? Extraordinary compassion is upper room stuff. You just heard some of the compassionate things that are going on, going on around here. 
I left some space in your outline for you. You look at the bottom. I've been doing this the last few weeks. We all have stuff we can work on. Maybe you're doing great. If you're doing great, write it in there. Doing really good. I, if you are just naturally a compassionate person, good for you. That's awesome. Some of us have to work at it, and that's okay. We can work at it. Maybe it's being a listener. Listening shows compassion. Being an advocate, a voice for the voiceless. Being a giver, giving of your time, your talent, your resources. Putting others first. Love the unlovable. And be encouraged. Like I said, some of us have to work at it. That's why God is so full of grace, right? He knows we don't get everything right and we can't do everything perfectly. But what can you put in there? Who in your sphere of influence can really use some of your compassion? Maybe God's laying somebody on your heart right now, right? Don't you hate that? (laughs) Finally, the ultimate definition of compassion right here. John. Let me put that up, John 3, 16. There it is. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And here's the good part right here. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. God looks at you right where you are, wherever you are in your life, whatever mess you find yourself in maybe, no matter how long it's been since you've prayed or read your Bible, no matter how long it's been since you've shown compassion to someone who has a little less than you. He looks at you with more love than you can ever imagine. As Jenny said earlier, so much love and compassion that he gave his only son, one and only compassionate son to make you right with him. And because of that compassion, Jesus was willingly crucified for you. Where are you with that? Have you seen Jesus' compassion in your own life? Have you received it? Have you received Jesus Christ's compassion by receiving him as your Savior? It can only be done by a compassionate person. Jesus came that we may have life and have it to the full. Jesus came that our sins can be forgiven. And if you're not sure where you are with that, let's get that right today. Let's talk about it. You at home. Send a little message. Respond to the, to the uh, stream. You see, compassion is not weakness. Compassion gives the benefit of the doubt. And others must see the compassion of Jesus in you. And if you struggle with this, don't be defeated because it's all part of becoming a fully devoted follower. Why don't you stand and let's pray together. Lord, we bow our heads before you and just uh, praise you for who you are. We praise you for your compassion, Jesus. What can we say? What can we say? Talk about compassion. Sympathy is one thing, Lord, but compassion is action. It's sympathy and action. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, Lord. What can we ask for? We can't ask for anything more than that. And the compassion of a Savior who gives us all for every one of us paid the price for our sinful behavior our sins in our life so that we could spend eternity with you and be clean and forgiven live a life on this earth of abundance because of our relationship with you pray Lord anybody in here anybody watching at home that today their life changes for all eternity Lord I pray if anybody questions 
where they are in their faith, that, that you give them the courage to step up and say something to somebody or pray right where they are in their seat. Whatever it is. If you're in your seat right now or you're watching at home and you, you, you want to pray right now, I'll, let's pray. I'll pray with you right now. Just repeat this. If you need to repeat this, dear Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that Jesus has so much compassion that he died for me. I admit my sinfulness. I admit my inability to do anything about my sin. And I want to receive your forgiveness, Lord. I'm asking to be forgiven for Jesus to be my Savior. Give all this in the name of Jesus. You stay stand, standing. I'm going to sing. We hope you found this week's episode relevant and encouraging. We just want to say thanks so much for taking time to listen. And if you'd like, please feel free to share it with a family member or a friend. We would really appreciate it. If you'd like more information about Cochrane Community Church, go online and visit ccubchurch.org. Well, that's all the time we have this week. But we would love for you to join us back here next week as we continue to see what it looks like to live a countercultural lifestyle for God. And from all of us here at Cochrane Community Church, we just want to say that we pray that God blesses your faithfulness. We'll see you back here next week.